hey, we want to ask you some questions. So go to our Anchor account, which we'll link in the episode thing, and um, we want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Here's our first question. Who the heck are you? We have 32 established audience members. Who are you? How do you take care of yourself? What is one thing you do for self-care? This show is a series of conversations amongst really good friends. We come from different generations and have different life situations. And those situations are even changing as we record this. We decided when we began that this might be a helpful conversation for others to be a part of. So we offer this to you as a gift. In the words of Dr. Adrian Keene, we have decided to consent to learn in public with you. We intend to be mindful, authentic, and responsible with our words. But we also expect to mess up and learn through this conversation. Take a look at America today. I wish I could give you better news. That I am suspending my campaign. 300 delegates behind Vice President Biden. And all those little girls. We're going to have to wait four more years. And the path toward victory is virtually impossible. For some of these other candidates to get behind Joe Biden. I'm looking forward to getting started as soon as we can. Hi, I'm Dan Giles. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I am a physicist slash astronomer, um, and I'm struggling to figure out how that's meaningful in a 2020 world. Um, So instead, I just talk about politics. I am Julia. I am a cis white woman living on Council of the Free Fires territory. I think Dan is very special and wonderful. And I um, spend my days working in a virtual Chicago Public Schools classroom as a city area volunteer. I spend my nights lobbying for, um, like, prison reform, but, like, that would reduce the prison population. So I like to think it's a good step. Um, And uh, ending endless war, I guess I'm going to choir too. My name is Addie. I use pronouns like she and her. I am a cis white woman living on Ohlone land. And I have spent my week providing programming for young people to um, support their lives online and offer them community and connection from afar. And it is hard, but that's what I do. And I'm reading Dawn by Octavia Butler and the book is used in the best possible way meaning like someone wrote it in ahead of time and it was super falling apart and the cover fell off having after I read like the first 10 pages so I'm using the cover as the bookmark which is a very surreal experience to do to a book and I like to crochet. Hello my name's Ari I use he him and they them pronouns and I like when people use both uh, I am a student at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, I'm an artist. I'm an athlete. Um, I'm a trans white person also living on Council of the Three Fires territory. I'm thinking about getting a mullet, which I don't know if that means a lot to y'all, since I don't think that many of you have seen me in the in the flesh ever or like know what I look like, but... Maybe it would look cool. Maybe just imagine someone with a really cool mullet in your brain, and then that's maybe what I look like. Okay, the fact that the millennials here have TikToks and the Gen Zs here do not. 
that should stay in the podcast. So yeah, please <laughs> keep that in there. Exactly. I, don't I don't have one. I don't. Please have... go in. I don't, I don't post anything on it. I'm just there for research purposes. <laughs> but what I'm do you to see what the kids are into? <laughs> I thought Twitter for research. Uh, Dan and I've been doing <laughs> wait, since this is a generational podcast, Dan and I've been trying to do like, I think that you can tell a certain way that a millennial talks. Like it's like a little, it says like a lot, it, like talks really fast. Like how I'm talking right now, like a little Valley girlish. Okay. Dan, do the Gen Z one. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do? Just do it. Oh, we'll like the kind it. of deadpan, yeah. like talking about the cat? Yeah, do it. This is what we do together. All right, so this night. is Mr. Whiskers. Mr. Whiskers, this is a day in the life of Mr. Whiskers. So first he wakes up, and then he has his food, and then he plays a little bit, and then we go, and we have some more food, and then he plays again, and then he takes a nap, and then he has some food, and then he takes a nap. Gen Zs just talk like um, Tina from Bob's Burgers. It's been an it's been a long week in the It's been a long couple of weeks. The last time we talked was right before we all found out that our BG died. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. I think an hour before. Yeah. For context. An hour before. Oh, yeah. We hung up. Like we right. we ended the call and then like literally I think I was walking out of the room and Sonia texted and was like, RBG died. Yes, yes. Wait, let's <laughs> quote exactly what Sonia said though, because it it, I think we should talk about how it shifted the vibe of our group text. Oh, man. But Don't just, like, think? literally, we had just finished having the conversation. We were like, this was sort of a mishmash. This wasn't a super guided episode, but it's okay. <laughs> Walk out to, yeah. like, the death of a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, it, it just said a screenshot of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, champion of gender equality, dies at 87. And Sonia says she died time to vote for Biden. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I will say I am really I was very surprised. My mom like didn't text or call me at all. Like just didn't contact me at all. and the fact that she didn't where I was like yeah, I'm not going to like touch that. And then I talked to my dad uh, like a day later and I was like, "Hey, how's mom doing?" And my dad was like, "Oh, she's like a total wreck." Like Aww. she and yeah. I was like, "Yeah." So that was except first I was like, "Is she met like is she mad at me or something, and that's why she's not texting me to tell me that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died? And then I was like, no, she's probably just, like, not in a... Just she's bad. probably, like... Yeah, she's probably yeah. Not, just not a good place about it. And I was yeah. like, I don't really know that I can... How I can be helpful mm-hmm. from afar. And this is devastating news for so many reasons. Well, least of which is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was um, somebody who fought for so many so many causes and made so much progress on the court and um, dissented for so many, many things and for so many, many people. But also, because it is very pertinent to this election and the things that will now happen. I don't know. I mean, personally, I've been feeling, I think, some level of grief. I think I've also been trying very intentionally to like complicate that narrative because the reality is Ruth Bader Ginsburg did fight and progress for certain rights for certain people and also Mm -hmm. um made a lot of choices that really hurt a lot of other people um she approved pipelines going through appalachia right um and even when like i read um an article that that talked about when when she was talking about the reasons she was for like 
reproductive health and like access to birth control and abortions and things like that part of her reasoning was that you like don't want too many of certain populations right which is a super gross thing to say that's eugenics for those of you playing along at home um and even if you're like okay well that's in the past she also spoke out against colin kaepernick um kneeling and said that it was disrespectful and dumb so she's and and so i i've been really like i think I, i've been trying to real like realize and remember that like no one's there's a lot of people that are mourning her death there's also a lot of people that aren't going to mourn her death um because she hurt them and that's okay and you are not you're not obligate like the, the those people aren't obligated to be sad um about the loss of someone that really hurt them and especially that really hurt them and has sort of i mean we've talked about this narrative of like you have a person who does good and bad things and then people act as though the good things like outweigh the bad or like negate the bad things and so i think like for a lot of black people and indigenous people ruth bader ginsburg represents someone that they're sort of like not allowed to complain about because she's like oh but she's doing so many good things um that's that's so on but i also have been feeling really reluctant to kind of express that because i feel like when i do then a lot of people jump on me and are like oh but she did so many good things um they're like well why aren't you talking about all the good things she did a lot of other people are talking about all the good things she did i don't know that i necessarily need to like further oversaturate that like yeah i mean that narrative i uh my temptation is definitely to like say yes she was not a perfect person and to like try and push back on that narrative and just say like um you know that's not i i feel like a lot of things overshadow that but i also want to very much over uplift the the fact the facts of what you're saying is that she wasn't a perfect perfect person perfect person and like her decisions had very real consequences for people who are still alive um so thank you for bringing that um into that into this space um i think also um i also still feel a deep sense of sadness that she's gone my mom also used the same language not a perfect person and i was like mom there's like i don't think not being perfect is an excuse for racist policy like i i think that i just i don't want to i don't want to be like oh like she's close to perfect but not quite because of because of those things like it's it's a little bit more than not perfect i you know she, i'm like the person in the group of people who she fought for and made progress for and I think what I'm taking away moving forward is just that um, I'm going to use the rights that that she did win for people like me to fight for the people that she didn't fight for all the time because I don't want my rights to be coming because people don't want certain people to have children and because um, like I, I, my, my rights should not be at the cost of anybody else's. I think she was a person. <laughs> like, I think if Ruth Bader Ginsburg was alive, we would be only talking about the times where she's failed, I think, in this conversation. <laughs> so I've spent most of, I mean, I think she's super cool. 
And I've also like spent most of my energy that I talk about her saying the ways that she was like super bad on native rights and the problems with um, her policies because she was alive and that was okay to, that was part of like my work I think is to be like on the side of um, saying like this person isn't infallible, they're a person. Um, and it's, so I think that maybe the way, the reason why our tone has shifted a little bit is because she's dead and I think that's just an interesting thing about humans that we're not saying she's perfect we are um, saying she's human and uh, she was a human that did good things and that makes us sad and it made us like have a reaction in our <laughs> group text uh, because I think we feel her loss very significantly in um, the way that her physically not being in the position she was in will affect the country, right? And so... Yeah. She's not an idol. Like, she's not, like, a god. She's not somebody that we should say, like, is the perfect embodiment of all that we want. But she made this country better for a lot of people. Not for every people, but, like, for a lot of people. And I think in a lot of different ways. Um... So I, I do I do think it's important to recognize, but not exclusively recognize the the things that she has brought, um, and to praise the things that she has done for a lot of people and the rights that she's fought for. Um, I think that it's good to recognize um, the ways she didn't fight, the ways she didn't bring that drive and ambition for different populations. Ooh, can I say another thing that? When I was like, what do we do? Because <laughs> normally I'd be like, I feel sad. Well, this is what I, I was like. I feel sad, but I feel like I've been like my main role is to criticize her. <laughs> um, and so something that was really helpful to me was to go and look at native women that I follow on Twitter and see how they responded to it. And that was really um, healing for me to just have like, I don't need to say anything, but I could go and see, OK, how are these like five native women that I am really interested in everything they have to say all the time. How are they responding to this? And they uh, were like, of course, she was a person who did good things and bad things. And so um, I'm sad. <laughs> and she, we know that she wasn't great. Um, and that was helpful for me to like, because sometimes I feel like we have to like know how to talk about it, which I guess is what we're doing right now and so I feel a little like stumbly because we're talking about it and then other people are going to hear us and I didn't want I didn't know the best way to talk about it and so that was one of my um ways of feeling held and um like connected is to hear native women being like this is complicated and messy and that's what people are <laughs> I've been really I think I continue to be frustrated by the narrative when people are like oh they're not perfect people because I think it's correct. No, like, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a person, right? And so it's not even about is she perfect or not. She's a person. Um, but I think that that statement doesn't come with a lot. Like, it doesn't go deeper. Like, it tends to just stay there. Um, versus, I think my question should be like, so why do we have positions that give people so much power for life? and no accountability, Ruth Bader Ginsburg isn't accountable to you. Whether or not you think you can hold a president accountable, you can't hold a Supreme Court justice accountable because you can't kick them out. Um, <clears throat> right, that's you the point of the position. Them, but it's not. But also like you as an individual can't do that, 
Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't mean like Ruth was calling me and be like, Addie, what should I do? I think, I think at least she, she can learn. Like, like, I just want to point out that Neil Gorsuch was, is on the right side of native rights. Like usually Neil Gorsuch is the one who will write things that are positive around native rights. But I don't think that, I don't, I don't want to be in conversation with Neil Gorsuch. I don't want to be someone who's engaging with Neil Gorsuch because I feel fundamentally misaligned with him. And so I think that's what I feel towards Ruth Bader Ginsburg is that during certain parts of our lives, we were rooting for the same things in ways that the person who actually was the reliable vote on everything native wise, um, I don't feel aligned with, if that makes but, sense. You no, know, I, I hear that. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that there weren't ways in which that like she was aligned with you or was aligned with us or anything, but like, I think I need that. I hear that a lot about a lot of people, right? I hear that about right, like, you know, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. I hear that ever like every like liberal person who is very criticizable, right, and rightfully so because they are hurting people, like actively causing violence against certain communities. Then you get a lot of like, oh well, they're not a perfect person. And I think that analysis needs to go deeper of like, okay, so if we've established that no person is perfect, right, that every person does things that harm people, why do we have institutions like a presidency or like a Supreme Court that allow people to be essentially un like unaccountable and continue to make those decisions when like we've we've already decided that people like like then people shouldn't be allowed to have that position if no one's perfect no yeah, one should I mean, be allowed to have that position i mean i think a huge part of this what our conversation this entire time is about how like flawed this entire system is and like how we're going to be voting for a president here that we don't like who by no stretch of the imagination is perfect and that like we don't want to vote for but like because it's the system that we have we are planning to support uh in some way or at least support over trump even if you're not going to vote for joe biden. like i i believe that we all want would rather a joe biden presidency over a trump presidency even if we haven't decided that we are even going to vote for joe biden because we feel that the entire system is unethical um skirting that discussion like a lot of this discussion is about like this system sucks and it's not really representative and it's like very barely like a balance of power between these branches and even like failing in live time like we in real time we can see how these like systems are failing to check each other like the Supreme Court should not be stacked uh, two weeks or three weeks or four weeks before an election, um, with the express can like with the express point of like deciding a presidential election. That seems pretty. Uh, seems like a pretty big conflict of interest. It seems like that should be a rule, but it's never been a rule. So, um, like I. What I, I I fully support term limits for Supreme Court justices, but are you talking about like getting rid of the Supreme Court entirely, or just instituting? I mean, I don't even more checks. I don't really like the idea of a Supreme Court period. Um, I think when you like the the point of a <clears throat> when you have a, a branch of government. That is like ultimately where the idea is that it's supposed to be very removed from the people, right? Um, 
because, you know, we vote for senators, right, and we vote for our president. And so, and those people do decide who the, who, who gets to be in the Supreme Court, but we don't get to decide who gets to be on the Supreme Court. That's not the same thing. Um, I don't believe in, in, in any kind of, like, any kind of position being that far removed from, like, us, like, from the people. There's one term that I've been reading recently that I think is something that has actually shifted um, between Addy and I's generation and your generation. It's the idea of Supreme Court supremacy. And it's like, as a result, or like, it's very strongly tied to the Supreme Court ultimately deciding the 2000 election. Like, the Supreme Court isn't really supposed to be making these huge decisions for the entire country. It's supposed to be like making decisions on like how the law should be interpreted how like are things that go through congress are things that are being done um in line with the constitution and like there are even times when the president goes against the supreme court and like just ignores it that's andrew jackson um against native peoples um and like the supreme court supremacy is actually relatively new Dan, what you're describing is a liberal justice's view of the Supreme Court. So if we ha- so that is not the view of the conservative justices. They would interpret that that's why like you hear stuff about Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying I want things to be decided in the legislature not in the in the ju- in the court. Like I want things to be legislated on. Um that's that's an ideological thing that you're saying. Not a but it's a relatively truth. new, like, it's a relatively because new thing. Because the court how... has gotten more conservative in our lifetime. As we have grown up, the court yeah, has gotten I mean, more conservative. But, yeah, so that's 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 what I'm saying. And that's in our lifetime. I, Ari, Julia, do you feel like the Supreme Court has essentially always held this, like, seat of power that is ultimately greater than Congress or the presidency? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've been, like, conscious enough of the Supreme Court for enough of my life to, like, make that, to make that call as to, like, do I feel like it's always been that way? Because I think the Supreme Court as an entity is something that I've only really, like, understood and cared about um, for, I don't know, the last, like, like, like six years or something like that. Um because, you know, when you, I feel like when you're a kid, you just learn about, like, oh, the, it goes through Congress, and the laws get passed by the president, and that's it. Congrats. Like, you, like the judicial system is very removed. Sorry, I know that feels like a little bit of a cop-out, but that's legitimately where I'm at. Uh, I have two memories of, like, learning about the judicial system. One is, like, in, like, second grade or something, because I remember we were all struggling with the word judicial. We are like, how do you spell that? And learning it was an equal branch of government. And then in my AP Gov class junior year, learning that the Supreme Court, or that the judicial branch was a super weak branch of government because it didn't have economic or military power backing any of its choices. That's all I got. Like, like Ari said, it's not, Mm. like I know about, like I, I know that it has made decisions that have been really important, but, um, it's not something that I think people talk about a lot 
and like people also when they do talk about the judicial system they talk a lot about um the supreme court versus like all the other judges in the federal mm-hmm. court circuit court appeals court um that make a lot of life-altering decisions and like that when you elect someone you're also electing someone who appoints judges i don't think we like make that link all the time that when you're electing someone you're electing someone who appoints yeah I also feel like I want to respond to Dan earlier when you said a thing about like I don't know like don't we're not idolizing I don't think we as in the four people here necessarily are I think a lot of people do idolize Ruth Bader like like, she is absolutely like deified in a way that I haven't really haven't seen any other political figure honestly except for Trump maybe like I've seen, like, you, you, I mean, I don't know if y'all have seen them. There are, like, people with, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg tattoos, right? <laughs> yeah. What other political figure would you get tattooed on your actual body, right? Um, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon on your back. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean. So I also think that's significant. Yeah. Which also I think, like, lady? I don't know, when you're talking about, like, oh, well, we wouldn't. Like we wouldn't. Well, we, we yeah, were only saying it's not that just like she's... that. I don't think we we aren't idolizing her, but also I don't think that she should be idolized. Right. Like, I think you need to. I think, but I'm saying I think that needs to be like explicitly said because there's yeah. definitely a lot of. Let me say it explicitly. I don't think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg should be idolized. Okay, I okay. I get that, and also I do think that people need to be inspired. So I don't want to make a blanket statement about mm-hmm. no idolization. I mean, I don't like. I think that the difference well, between maybe is between the two words I just used that I making someone an idol is probably unhealthy and, um, un, unwilling to, to, uh, consider their faults and being inspired by somebody is, um, what movements are built on, you know? So I just want to like, I don't know who is a good person to be inspired by, because I think that, sometimes that could do good i think being inspired by people can definitely do good i think the issue is that like when you're talking when we're talking about things like i don't know like cancel culture and like punitive culture is being like ultimately rooted in white supremacy there's two halves to that right And the way that you get in the position where you have people with insane amounts of power that are flawed or do harm and then we don't know how to respond to that in healthy ways is because we're putting them on pedestals right um when people in your life that you don't put on pedestals cause harm it's still hard right that's not an easy thing to figure out but there's less of i think there's overall less of a drive to like completely condemn a person or completely ignore it and say like this isn't even real um in a way that there isn't with people like celebrities and like politicians that we sort of turn into celebrities and things like that so i I think part of when we're talking about like how do we properly address when when people are when people are people and when they cause harm is that you stop putting people on pedestals to begin with. Mm-hmm. But how do you distinguish between a pedestal and someone who inspires you? I mean, I think the difference is maybe like I don't know. I think if you have a relationship with someone, right, like someone in your actual life that you know personally, you can, and that is a person that inspires you you can probably also think of a time that they said something that hurt you or did something that hurt you um, or like hurt your feelings. Um, And 
that doesn't mean that you are necessarily less inspired by that by that person. But I think when with people we know personally, we're able to hold that complexity a little more versus someone that you've never met, and therefore you're only getting you're getting a very curated view of them. And usually, like depending on what media that you consume, you're only consuming the good things, right? Um, or only consuming the bad things, then you're less able to hold that complexity because like you don't. I don't know, like it's because then it's not like a relationship with a person in your actual life. It's not really a relationship. This ties back to like a lot of the conversations I think we've had, like the like um, looking up to someone and then realizing they've done harm thing. Like, how do you like choose which parts of them to like uplift or like whether you uplift them at all? And then the like J.K. Rowling with the turf, like I feel like it ties into that, and then it also ties into. Um, should we trust our elected officials like that's just but that's a new that's a new thought that i hadn't i have not had that you just said Addie, i feel like you're making a face i'm trying to think of like how i if i can live by this <laughs> i'm like trying to think of, so i'm like okay i've got um like just around like who who would look like an idol in our house not Jesus, Angela <laughs> but Angela Davis would like for sure. If you walked into our house right now, you'd be like, "Wow, they really like Angela Davis and James Baldwin." <laughs> and so I'm like, "Okay, well, first of all, I don't actually think that James Baldwin or Angela Davis ever said anything that I didn't like, but maybe that's me. That's me, like not knowing them, you know. Um, James Baldwin's dead, and never met Angela Davis, and and but I feel happy." seeing James Baldwin in my reading room. He's, like, got a cigarette. I have a picture of him up in my office where he's, like, going like this because I always feel like I'm wild in there and I just, it's helpful to see James looking at me being like, I don't know either. <laughs> and I've got Angela. There's a little thing of Angela right behind me right there in a little, uh, I don't know if you can see a little, like, tapestry thing made of her. And she's just shouting. <laughs> and so... Like, that makes me feel really happy. <laughs> I, like, it makes me feel good to have um, literally those people's faces in my house. It's not even, like, a quote from them. It's, like, their likeness. So I'm just wondering if I'm, like, how I can live by what you just said, Ari, because, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I, I My face, I, I didn't have a solution yet, but that's what my face was. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think you have to remove pictures of people from your house, even if you, like, I don't think you, the, the, the takeaway is you're only allowed to look up to people that you know, right? Or that you're only allowed to have pictures in your house of people that you know. I think maybe the call is not to distance, is not to further distance yourself from people that you don't know, but try to bring yourself closer to them and um, sort of, and recognize them as, as people. Right. And not just as the shouting tapestry or the, you know, shrugging photo. Right. And recognize that they are real complex people. And there's people that like Angela Davis has talked to that even, you know, that she really like hurt at different points in her life that, you know, that's not a good thing, but it's a thing that happens because she's a person. There are people that I'm sure James Baldwin hurt or even just like annoyed or didn't vibe with in his life. And that's also OK. Right. In the sense that he's also a person. Um but I guess, like, yeah. we're if we're all, con like, I'm really concerned about not participating in that harm. And so, like, is there a way that I'm doing that? I don't know. I know people, like, this is a little bit shifted, but, like, I know people who are really charismatic 
and seem really great and they're really harmful and some people like them and they get hope and inspired by them too <laughs> and those people are actually really like insidiously harmful people and so I don't want to be Ooh, it's like a fan I'm like a fan <laughs> I don't know I don't know I'm very challenged by this I mean what I mean you've talked before about drawing like sort of wanting to write your thesis or whatever on like where you where people draw the line right and, and so now I'm thinking in my head like if someone told you like oh Angela Davis and I were friends and then she like was always blowing off my calls and so I stopped being friends with her I don't think you'd be like well I'm going to take down the tapestry now even though that's like kind of a jerk move right um but I think that's maybe a thing to consider for yourself is like I don't know like it, I'm I guess like, I don't know that you have to answer it, but, like, I don't, like, recognize in your brain there is a point where, like, if I could, if I learned about a certain amount of harm this person had caused, that, like, I would have to be able to let go of them. Yeah, I guess that is a question I've, I have already asked and answered, and I was just, like, about other people. I just thought of, like, when you said the tattoo, it was such a, like, it literally embodied example, and I for sure... Like, I do get tattoos of, I have a James Baldwin quote tattooed on my finger. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but then you did, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, I mean, but I, I would be shattered if James Baldwin, um, if I found out something about him. About him. But I also have a, a um, lyrics, I think because my t tattoos are always so symbolic and they're way more than just the words, I don't fall into this trap as much. But, like, as an example, I also have a song that is a song lyric tattooed right here. And I got it when I um, was in seminary, and I ch purposefully chose a like evangelicalish worship band that I um, was like they're good, uh, but now I'm in seminary and I don't like <laughs> anything about um, the ev evangelical church, and I don't like I like emotional manipulative worship and all of this stuff. But it it was the quote is you are making me new, and that was my expression of seminary that I was like going and being made new and that was really hard and like a like a very like difficult um I'm in a cocoon I'm screaming <laughs> um type of thing but then um I'm also allowed to honor and respect and love the person that I was before I went to seminary and that like the fact that I didn't have access to this information doesn't mean that like my relationship to God was stupid or like ignorant or smaller than my connection to God now and so so that's why I got this tattoo and this band is not good I do not like Michael Gunger um anyone who's listening <laughs> um it's I mean it's they're like a beautiful worship band but Michael Gunger is a bummer of a Christian now he like has gone off the deep end in terms of his understanding of uh like spiritualism and um and anti-racism and so I think I feel really good because the meaning of my tattoo is like even better now that the, <laughs> that the guy who wrote these lyrics is, uh, I don't like him anymore. I have to navigate how to say this, but. You're like, you really you do definitely... love James Baldwin. <laughs> well, uh, like I would say that there was what's the phrase it's like there's a speck in your eye or something like uh like you couldn't see the faults of like steve jobs for a while 
um, when you love Mac computers. Um, and it took a while, but you did eventually get there about understanding, like, that Steve Jobs was a pretty crappy person in general, but that Apple computers then are still, for the most part, fine, despite all the thing. Like, they're, they're good product. Not talking about how they're made, what the company culture is, all the, all the stuff. So I think there was a time in your life where uh, you definitely had more trouble separating the people from, like, the product or the people from the message. Well, I think, yeah, for sure, I think that's true. And I do really co-sign really hard on people. Um, I think, but I think one difference, though, Dan, is, like, Apple is a product. And something that Angela Davis says about the prison system can still be true if Angela Davis ends up being a jerk to, to her friends. You know what I mean? In a way that, like, Steve Jobs, like, he, I don't know. I'm, I'm quoting, like, ideology from certain people. And the, the Apple thing is because I am, like, I am defeated by capitalism. <laughs> well, like, I mean, I think that's the same statement. Like, the product of Angela Davis is that she says no! really powerful and meaningful things. <laughs> we don't, to be clear in this podcast, we're not... We're not breaking any news about the character of Angela Davis. Like, we we have nothing. We have no concrete evidence of anything. We're just saying that if anything comes to light, we still like Angela Maybe Davis. Maybe I feel like, um, wait, is it weird to say that I feel like Angela Davis is, like, a mentor, even though I've never met her before, as opposed to Steve Jobs is the owner of a company? I definitely think you're right with the Apple thing, Dan, but I do think that they're separate. <laughs> I feel like I liked where you were going with the with the tattoo and how it's, like, not about the person who said it, but, like, about what it means. And I don't know why Angela Davis is all that different from that situation. Like, yes, like, the things that she says, like, come from, like, who she is. But um, I think you can still take her wisdom and not not then ha like be like I have to then take everything she says the same way so if someone's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a woman who defeated a lot of odds and that inspires me as a woman then we're good with that but then we also recognize yeah the problematic things that happened but but by saying and that you're not we don't saying discard that she's not problematic yeah you're just saying, yeah. I'm taking this and moving on and doing my own thing with it. But then we also get into, like, the discussion of, like, let's make this uncomfortable. Like, we talk about Brett Kavanaugh is doing exactly what he's designed to do as a justice on the Supreme Court for the people who wanted him on the Supreme Court. But he's also kind of a crappy person from everything we know about him. Um, and so do we... Do we um, like, we don't like either the things that he does on the court or the person that he is. So it's easier for us to say, like, we don't want to accept or uplift any part of that. But, like, for the people who put him on the court, are we saying that because of his character he shouldn't be on the court? Or are we saying that because of the stances he has he shouldn't be on the court? I mean, I would say 
both, but also like, again, when we, we talked about the personal things also being political, if you, especially when you're talking about, I think the harm that people cause is also definitely evidence of that. I think someone being a jerk to their friends is not necessarily indicative of like their values. I think when you're talking about assaulting someone that definitely in like shows a lot of your morality, right? Um, mm -hmm. And like how you view like human beings and their safety and the value of their lives. Yeah. And, and not, treatment yeah. of humans and temperament is something that should be considered when you're applying for a Supreme Court position. So in his job interview, he didn't do good enough. He did not do well enough to deserve that job based I mean, on you're his allowed job to, interview. Like, if I apply for a job at, you know, uh, if I apply to be like a manager at a Home Depot and I'm not charismatic enough, they don't, they don't have to give me that job, right? I'm just saying, that's like also a thing. You're allowed, totally allowed to determine someone's qualifications for a job based on like person on like like personal things how would we reform this system because like whatever our thoughts on are on his job interview the fact is he got the job i don't want to talk so, about like, Brett how do you... i am so I, done with that this conversation. Is, that's what i'm saying though is like i think that's what i'm saying with the supreme court is you have someone that's like so removed from the people and i don't know that putting that like having like making something so nationalized as the u.s that like actually putting it down to a direct vote would necessarily like that would change the outcome but it would at least give people more power in that outcome versus like i mean watching the like like watching those hearings right this was something we were all alive and present for like how did you feel was this a thing that you actually felt like you had any power over or did it just sort of feel like you're like watching from behind you're you're looking at it from behind a screen right like you're like banging on the tank of the aquarium or whatever that's how like, i feel about rpg dying so i was just like and now i know what mm -hmm. mitch mcconnell's gonna do and i can't do anything about it and i can do things about other things so i just focus on that most of the time i was devastated during the the thing i was driving to minnesota um to go to a palestinian conference and I listened to the whole thing on NPR and then I had to lead the group in a reflection. And so I like, like I do, I just like interrupted whatever we were doing. And, um, we like prayed for victims of sexual assault and, um, and talked about telling stories and, and like breathed in and out everything we just experienced. It was awful. It made me feel awful. I'm trying to I'm trying to think about this cuz I don't I don't necessarily like agree that I think that like judicial appointments should be an elected position in the way that I feel like I'm hearing you say. Um and maybe you're not quite saying that. But like I I also don't think that it should be the way that it is now. Um does it, it feels just ridiculously political where this judicial appointment is just supposed to be an interpretation of the law, but that's gotten absurdly political in ways that it was never intended to, as, as far as my knowledge of how things are supposed to be goes. Um, so I don't know that I agree that it should be like a national election. We can't, or like an election for judicial positions. That's what I think, I think that's what, like, we elect representatives for, is to make the laws, um, to change the laws, um, to set budgets, 
And that's where the election comes in. I mean, that's also not working out super well for us and hasn't been for a hot minute. I think that's sort of fundamentally how I approach a lot of this. Like, I mean, I don't know, eventually we'll record the Arm Explains Their Dream World or whatever thing. But I think fundamentally, like an important way to approach it is like, does all of this stuff work better? We're not sure. Is it working right now? No. Is this like, could it be worse? Giving people direct power to vote for judges? It could be. Right. But I don't actually know that it would be that much worse than what we have right now, where we're not even getting to make the own decisions, whether or not they're better or worse. And so, like, I understand that it's scary to hear that and that you sort of hear it and are like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And that doesn't sound good because, um, like, I don't know, I also don't feel like that. Like, I'm also not a like expert on any of these things. That also doesn't sound perfect to me. But I think the way that I see that where I'm like, what if we made judges like directly elected by the people that feels better to me than what we've got right now where i have no clue how any judges get elected or appointed or no say in that i mean there are judges who are elected by the people there are judges on every ballot and i for they the most part don't know who they, and they are they usually run uncontested because the system is set up to right. be settled but that also that when they run uncontested it's run not a guaranteed thing that they will get the appointment some in some cases like they have to get a certain percent of the vote in order to actually get the job but people will just like vote for them because they're the the there you don't have to vote for them i was just thinking about the language of how it was intended because i think uh we're kind of like clinging to the constitution and like the the founding principles of of the government because that's something that we're technically supposed to all agree is important because everything has become so partisan that like the only way that I think a lot of us feel like we can um, make an argument for like people's lives is to say this is what was intended by the constitution and also I think a few other things that come into play there is is understanding that the people who who like laid the foundation for the system of government that we have were also not perfect people. Um, they were they didn't know like they were just like here's some ideas let's try this out and they had some good ideas and they also weren't trying to make a country for poor people they were not trying to make a country for black people they were not trying to make a country for native people they were making a country in reaction to something that we don't have now you know it makes sense to make something in reaction if you're a rich english person to make a country for yourself in reaction to a monarchy it makes sense to get the country we have right now but we are not rich english people yeah and also also like the Judicial appointments were never supposed to be partisan, partially because nothing was ever supposed to be partisan. Like, um, in the Federalist Papers, there's a lot of talk about how parties will be, like, terrible and how we cannot have parties. And then we had parties, like, four years later. But, like, how, like, parties are, like, such an issue. Um, but, like, I think, especially with this, this is not something that was, I was supposed, I hate to say was supposed to, because, like, that the people who decided what was supposed to happen weren't god um and even if they were god i don't care like sorry god but i'm not always right i don't know um (laughs) 
That was a strange theology that, that you was, had going on right there. That was me You're like, sorry, not God, Thomas Jefferson. Sorry, God, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> For sure. They aren't God. Just, and if they are, clear sorry. Up to you. Um, the founders of America were for sure not God. Okay? They were not God. Let me clear that no, up. No, no, what I meant is like, and then even if they were God, like, I don't know that I agree with everything what? God's ever done, so whatever. Right. Anyway. Well, let's, but just, is this what? just like a hypothetical <laughs> if they're God, not a... What? Not a potentially, you <laughs> no, believe no, no, they no, no, could no. be God? This is me saying that I don't care who made it. It's not you're working. Like, you're like... <laughs> God is fallible. Anyways, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. Um, but yeah, like, there's the amount that it's a partisan thing, and the amount that it's, like, about, like, conservative yeah. versus progressive values, and, like, that it's, like, Democrats versus Republicans, like, it's supposed to just be about interpreting the law, and, like, who can do that? My last thought is, like, in the current system we have, the only way to get, like, representative justices is to have a representative, like, representative um, at every level, which I guess goes back to the topic of our of our podcast, which is electing somebody who is not representative of what we believe. Uh, and how do we get good representatives? I, I really think we should um, talk about Breonna Taylor. Can we do that? What's there to say? I mean, it feels really unsurprising, especially the way that, like, all these cities were, like, I mean, Chicago was getting boarded up and stuff, like, I feel like as soon as you see all the cities boarding up all the stores, then you know what the verdict is going to be. So it's almost like this verdict was intentionally like mean, like no indictments would have been one thing. And it also, it would have been terrible, but indicting the one person who like, Indicting the one person for not hitting Breonna Taylor is, I don't have a word for the absurdity of it, the meanness of it, the insult of it. I almost, like, didn't even, like, really take space or time to process. I was just like, okay. It's such, it's such a weird thing to be used to. Because it's, like, so clearly such a, like, statement of, like, our country saying that they, that her life doesn't mean anything to them and isn't valuable to them. Like, that is, it's such a terrible thing. And I was also, like, but the thing, I guess, that I've been thinking about more than just, like, what I think about it is the fact that, um, like, my workplace and like cps both like sent out a bunch of emails about it and like how to talk to kids about it and like it has not come up in my classroom and apparently some other kid like the kids in the other fourth grade classroom brought it up today and like the like the other people on my team were talking about it and they're like oh my god like these kids are growing up so fast they like know all stuff and i was like yeah I feel weird that we haven't talked about it at, at school. Well, can you bring it up? Yeah, well, I had a teacher meeting today, and I was going to bring it up, but then our meeting started half an hour late, so I didn't. Um, but I might try to bring it up tomorrow just when we, like, do our little chit-chat about, like, what I need to do next. Um, but it's also, like, I'm the only white person in that space. Um, and so I, I, I want I want to ask the teacher 
what if she's planning on talking about current events. Um, so yeah, I was gonna do it today, it didn't happen, but I'll do it tomorrow. But it was just like, it's been weird to me that we haven't talked about it. Talking about it, I think, is necessary, and also then you have to like really commit to talking about it in a way that isn't gonna traumatize people further. And I don't know, I don't have anything really to say other than I would love to read this prayer on lament whenever we feel like it, but I'm, I didn't think anything was surprising and that is disappointing and sad. Yeah. I don't know, in some ways that one feels. Yeah. Sad. Inep- inevitable. In mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to me, it felt more inevitable that RBG's death, um, like, I just, mm. I don't know, did, oh, it didn't yeah. feel surprising um, yes. at all, um, which is maybe why I don't feel like I need feel any sort of need to talk about it, because I feel like, obviously, it takes processing, but it's something that I feel like has been, like, slow cooking in my brain for, like, the last couple months, and not that I'm, like, over it or anything like that, but just, like, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything new to say. Just a renewed call to say, like, this is gonna keep happening. Nothing, like, this summer didn't change anything. And, like, there, I mean, it's changed a lot for a lot of people, but it hasn't changed anything systematically. It hasn't changed anything structurally. Like, police are gonna kill people and they're gonna get away with it and they're not even gonna be tried for it. And that's how it is that's how it's going to be until the system is changed radically yeah that's that's the thing is like there was so much power built this summer or like Mm -hmm. that like was finally acknowledged this summer by a lot of local governments and even then cops gonna cop yeah yeah i mean i think it if if this is the first time that someone has really paid attention to this then i wonder this this just shows how the system is is working and so maybe it will call people to imagine a new way i was gonna say for our listeners like i think you may be listening and you may have like noticed that none of us have said that the system is broken um that is because none of us here believe that the system is broken we believe that the system is doing exactly what it was designed to do and we believe that the system needs to be radically changed and it needs to be completely reformed maybe even like torn down but like we do not believe that the system is broken this is the system as designed to work it is supposed to protect cops it is supposed to say like cops have a dangerous job so they need to be protected and allowed to do whatever they need to do if that means breaking into somebody's house and killing them fine that's the risk of their job that they accidentally kill somebody but we can't hold them to account because that means that they would be afraid to do their job which their job is to keep minorities scared so that the majority white neighborhoods can feel safe i just wonder where the hell the second amendment folks were in all this don't look for consistency there julia it's it's just all, like i mean so obvious but but all, everything all the mm-hmm. outcomes are because they were black 
Do you want to read your prayer? So, just to be explicit, this is not something I wrote. This is a prayer written by Antonia Bell Delgado from Meadville Lombard, which is a school that started in Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and now is based in Chicago. Well, listeners, just uh, position your bodies in a way that makes you feel able to receive these words, and uh, maybe that means closing your eyes, maybe that means holding your hands out to receive, maybe that means uh, altering your head, bowing, holding your head up high, and uh, listen to these words. Spirit of love, abide with me. There are no words to express the dread and rage that I'm filled with today. Another black man has been killed by the police. There's no understanding of these senseless acts of violence. We, your children, find no safety in a system that is meant to commodify our very souls and silence our voices with a death blow. We find no love in a system built upon the hate of us. Spirit of Justice I beseech you to enter this country and, with a wailing torrent, whip the doors off of the dens of inequity. Let your light pierce the darkness of hatred. Let the law of justice smother the breath of racism that breathes its foul and cancerous breath into this country. Let the fingers of faithfulness claw its way into the heart of prejudice and shred it until it is no more. Let the demon that inhabits the spirit of all who hate be exposed, contained, and destroyed so that it may never possess another human. Spirit of understanding, reach into every mind that finds confusion and excuses to support these police executions and give them the knowledge and courage to see the vile nature of these crimes. Open their eyes and let them see beyond their own understanding. Open their hearts to feel the sorrow that pours out of a nation of people who know their worth and must suffer their captivity in this wicked place. Ancestors, we call upon you to hold us up once again, whisper our truth into our ears, adjust our hands to align the puzzle of our collective knowledge, set us on the road of recovery, the road of resilience, the road of rising. We are here and we are listening. Bathe us in the pools of health and healing, cover us and protect us. Amen. Ashe. Blessed be. This podcast is recorded on Ohlone and Potawatomi and Miami and Peoria land. Our producer is Sonia Berg. Want to support them? Look in the episode description to buy them a cup of coffee. Our logo is made by Julia's sister, Sophia. She is 12 and a Democrat who doesn't agree with everything the Democrats stand for. Our theme song is by some TikTok users that I cannot pronounce, but they will be listed in our episode description.